Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, November the 30th, and we're starting with news the government's backing plans for tougher sentences for those who abuse children, following a campaign by a Kent mum. Tony's Law is inspired by seven-year-old Tony Hudgel from Kings Hill, who was so badly abused by his birth parents, he had to have both legs amputated. His adoptive mum, Paula, has spent years calling for increased jail time for people who commit such horrific crimes. She's been speaking to Ish and told him about her reaction when she found out the news from the Justice Secretary. Overwhelmed. Um, I was extremely emotional. Um, I have to admit, I cried when Dominic Rubb told me. Um, I, yeah, absolutely overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, we've worked for nearly four years for this and um, to finally have this day to be told we've done it. Um, it's going to just make such a difference to the most vulnerable in society and that's what it was all about. We just wanted to be able to, you know, give justice to these these poor babies and children, um, people like Tony and the ones that obviously have sadly lost their lives. So it's justice for them. Yeah, Paula, you've campaigned for so long uh, for this um, and you've seen, unfortunately, the, the devastating consequences on Tony. We all have. Is this a victory for him and for for all children? Yeah, absolutely. Um, To think that a seven-year-old can actually um, make history and change the law um, is pretty incredible, really. Obviously, we weren't giving up. We, you know, we were keeping up the fight. Um, Have to give thanks to Tom Tugendhat because without his support through all of it, we just would never have got there. I mean, he's been absolutely amazing um, support and, you know, just that never give up attitude as well. I think Tony inspires us to be like that. And of course, part of the reason, not only justice for Tony, but the, the I guess, your, your disappointment in, in the sentencing of his biological parents in not being enough. Do you Do you have that sense of justice now with this? announcement for uh, causing or allowing a death of a child we've increased from 14 years to life which is absolutely brilliant that's exactly where it should be um you know why should children the most vulnerable in our society be at the bottom of the list moving on to the causing or allowing serious harm which was similar in tony's case um we've up the scale from 10 years to 14 years, which a lot of people will say, oh, that's not a lot. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, it's brilliant. Um, Obviously, when Tony's parents were um, convicted, they received 10 years, but they only have to serve five years inside. Well, with this 14-year tariff and the new policy of having to serve two-thirds of their sentence would mean now that they would have had to spend nearly 10 years behind bars. So it's to me, that that's massive. That is a big increase. I know people will say, oh, shouldn't it be life for any harm on a child? Yes, I think we all, we all feel that. But actually, these sentences are brilliant. We're, we're over the moon with them. You mentioned um, earlier that you, you spoke to Dominic Raab. I wonder if... Would you mind giving a bit of insight into that conversation? What was it that the uh, Justice Secretary said to you? He was brilliant with Tony. He sat down <clears throat> and told us that the government had backed Tony's law. Tony was sitting in the Deputy Prime Minister's chair. I think he wanted to take over the job, to be honest. Um, 
but yeah we had a great day um he explained it all to us and uh, it was lovely being able to have that part and for him to be able to tell us first before obviously it was released to the press which was you know very very nice he did ask if there was anything else he could do and I did say I haven't given stopped now it's not the end of the line for me um uh push in uh because we actually need a child cruelty register which in lots of ways is probably far more important than the sentencing now um so that's that's what he's looking into he he was very confident that um you know it was something that we did need so who knows campaigning hasn't stopped The police crime sentencing and courts bill is currently going through Parliament. As you heard Paula explain there, those found guilty could face life behind bars. Well, Justice Secretary Dominic Raab has also been speaking about the changes. Children and young children in particular are the most vulnerable in our society. They've got to be given the uh, strongest protection of the law. We've been very much inspired by the campaign that Paula and Mark have driven forward on behalf of Tony and we're inspired by this young man and how he's going to make a success of his life but the law needs to protect the most vulnerable in our society and that's what we're going to do. I've got a seven-year-old as well. I'm not sure he's as uh, active as Tony, but um, uh, he's full of life, full of energy. He's got his whole life ahead of him but for the grace of God but we need to make sure that we really protect as a society through the law to the maximum extent we physically can uh, young children like Tony and send the strongest powerful message of deterrence in the future to anyone who would inflict such unimaginable cruelty on a, a young child. Last year, you may remember, Tony became a bit of a symbol of hope during the pandemic after taking inspiration from Sir Captain Tom Moore and walking 10 kilometres on his prosthetic legs to raise £1.5 million for the hospital that saved his life. The Discovery School pupil, who walks with the help of crutches, was cheered across the finish line by well-wishers who braved the rain to see him complete his fundraising mission. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and a man's appeared in court charged with murdering a missing mum of two from Kent. Searches for 34-year-old Alexandra Morgan from Sissinghurst have been continuing after she was last seen on Remembrance Sunday. That's now 16 days ago. Mark Brown, who's 40 and from Squirrel Close in St Leonard's on Sea in East Sussex, appeared at Lewis Crown Court earlier after appearing at Medway Magistrates yesterday. A mum's paid tribute to her son, who died after being hit by a van in Chatham. 46-year-old Jay Bale from Twiddle was walking along Luton Road when he was killed in the early hours of Saturday. His mum, Lynn, says he was turning his life around after trouble with drugs, alcohol and crime. Three men arrested over the crash have been released while investigations continue. Around 70 firefighters have been tackling a fire at a pub in Orpington. Crews were called to the White Hart in the High Street after the blaze broke out in the loft space this morning. Nine people managed to get out of the building before crews arrived and weren't injured. It's expected they'll remain at the scene for the rest of the day and you can see video at Kent Online. A Kent farm has been fined £60,000 following an accident which killed one of their workers. 21-year-old George Murrell was crushed to death by a grain drying tunnel in Fishponds Farm in Tunbridge in 2019. The owners pleaded guilty to breaching health and safety laws. Now our most read story so far today is about a five-year-old boy from Herne Bay who's fighting for his life in hospital after catching Covid. Rupert Moore suffers from an extremely rare condition which means he's unable to see, speak, eat or move. Well, Ollie joins me now. Can you update us on Rupert's condition? Well, little Rupert is the only child in England known to have Vici syndrome. 
He was taken from his home in Broomfield near Herne Bay to Margate's QEQM with a chest infection last week, then tested positive for COVID and went rapidly downhill. On Wednesday, he was moved to intensive care at the Evelina Hospital in London as doctors feared he may have as little as 24 hours to live. But six days on, his mum Camilla Crick says he's showing slight improvements. She's told Kent Online he's currently stable and is trying to fight whatever's going on in his body. Rupert has already defied the odds during his short life. Experts initially told his mum he wouldn't live beyond the age of four. Only about 100 cases of the incurable condition Rupert has have been documented around the world. Symptoms include seizures, cataracts, visual impairment, hearing loss and the failure of the muscles and brain to develop properly. Despite his challenges, uh, this is the first time Rupert has been in intensive care and his mum has launched a fundraiser to help cover the cost of travelling and staying in London to be by his bedside. She's told us this is the most devastating time. Everyone who knows me knows Rupert's my whole world. We'll keep you updated on his progress and send our very best wishes to Rupert and his family. Thanks ever so much, Ollie. And as he said, our very best wishes are, of course, with Rupert and his family. Kent Online reports. TSB are closing 70 branches, including three in Kent, as more of us switch to online banking. Maidstone, Tunbridge Wells and Bromley will be among those to go next year. Bosses say all staff will be given the opportunity to move to another role within the company. Meantime, Westmoreland is going to lose its last remaining bank, Nat. West has announced it'll be closing the branch on Swan Street by next April. Bosses say they've had to make the tough choice with fewer people using services in person. We have to wear a face mask in shops and on public transport again from today following the discovery of a new COVID variant. At the time of recording today's podcast, 14 cases of Omicron have now been confirmed in the UK and Health Secretary Sajid Javid is expecting more. Yesterday, the government announced booster jabs would be rolled out to everyone over the age of 18 in a further bid to tackle it. Well, two experts from the University of Kent were on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night. Virologist Professor Martin Michaelis and and Professor Darren Griffin from the School of Biosciences. The coronaviruses that we know, they mutate all the time. And, and different coronaviruses can ex- exchange big, big chunks of their genetic material. So we will see much more of that in the future. And when, when the, the more they diverge, the more we will see them exchanging these parts. So, so the adapt- adaptability will probably grow. So scientifically, it's not a surprise at all that we see such a new variant and 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 it just takes time and it probably has something to do with increasing immunity in the population more people are immune that meet their it's a selection pressure because the virus can't replicate well in people who have many antibodies and t-cells and and then other variants that can escape that stand a better chance so so the 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 natural ability of these viruses to mutate and to adapt and the selection pressure that we have due to increasing levels of immunity, due to vaccines and previous infection, uh, uh, is what is behind this formation of these variants. And we will see more in the future, I'm sure. It's funny you talk about that scientifically because it was always expected to happen. It was something that, you know, you, you yourself have said this on our program many times and we to be expected this to be happening. It still seems like it it comes as a surprise, though, when all of a sudden we're talking very specifically about a variant of concern. I mean, D- Darren, perhaps you can explain a little bit more about this variant Omicron um, and why it has been kind of sparked as a variant of concern. 
Well, as Martin quite rightly says, we shouldn't be um, surprised when a new variant appears. We are, the virus mutates all the time and uh, this is no exception. I think one of the things that has been a surprise is the number of mutations in this particular variant. So as I understand it, there are about 30 uh, in the uh, binding protein, there are about another 10 in the, the binding site. And for that reason, uh, it's been quite eye-watering in that sense to, to realize that for this particular one, again, we should we should have always been on our guard anyway. We should have been looking for this. But um, as it said in your clip, uh, we shouldn't be surprised when we get these wake up calls. And perhaps we should have been using our masks and making sure we were getting uh, vaccinated, those people that didn't, uh, a little bit more quickly. Hey, we're chatting to Ollie there and shoppers in Rochester have been telling us how concerned they are about the variant just weeks before Christmas. I'm worried, full stop, whether it's Christmas or not. I think this new variant, I, th- I think it's since the last 18 months, two years. Um, I think we've been living with it and I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think people should be complacent. Things may be different. They may not be as we had hoped they would be. But I hope it won't be as bad as last year. Yes and no, really. You know, it's a lack of information at the moment until we, you know, verify what's happening, you know. But um, it's panic, I think, will set in sooner or later, you know. I think it starts stepping up second to third week of January and uh, I think then it would become more of a concern but what the government do you know is another matter you know. It probably is very contagious and the fact that it's resistant to the vaccines so yes it is very 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 worrying to be truly honest and you know as a healthcare professional myself it is extremely worrying and I've had COVID twice so yes it's very worrying. Not greatly, because I don't think people are dying as much, uh, w- w- even when they're catching it, so I don't think it's as big a problem as last year. The government are really not doing enough, and to as delay it, they said about, oh, masks have got to be compulsory now in shops, and that, but they've delayed it until, like, Tuesday. Why didn't straight away they say, right, from now on, because of this, we've all got to wear masks? I think it's going to be last year, obviously, it was a lockdown, so we didn't get to see family, so this year, hoping there's not going to be a lockdown and we can get together. To celebrate Christmas. So will there be another lockdown this Christmas then? Well at the moment we've been told it's down to individuals to decide for themselves if they go ahead with festive parties and gatherings. A spokesman for Boris Johnson says there's currently no change to government guidance but encourage people to think about hygiene and ventilation when celebrating inside. We're also going to be discussing the wearing of face masks on the lowdown on our Facebook Live tonight and we've been asking on socials today if you're going to be wearing them again. Cal Armstrong has told us it really doesn't bother me if I have to wear one. They can sometimes be itchy and get warm, but I can think of worse things in life. Meantime, Gareth Oxley says they don't work. They lower your intake of oxygen and they're a symbol of slavery. So no, breathe the air, people, and stop living in fear. Daniel Beckett has said I still got COVID last December even when I wore a mask all the time. And finally, Christina Robottom has said haven't stopped even when I've been mocked for wearing one. Well, you can still have your say and get involved in the programme 
tonight by posting a question to our panel of experts. It's on from six. And finally, on COVID, invites for booster vaccines have been called a shambles after hundreds of elderly and vulnerable patients in one part of Kent were forced to queue for more than three hours in the cold. They all received a last minute text on Thursday saying the jab team would be at Tesco's Sheerness store over the weekend but weren't told about having to wait in the car park. At least one person is said to have collapsed. The Kent and Medway Clinical Commissioning Group has apologised. Kent Online reports. Almost a week on from the tragedy in the channel and a survivor from the dinghy which capsized has described their desperate attempts to get help. So far, the bodies of 27 people have been recovered after it happened off the coast of Calais as they attempted to reach the UK. Mohammed Ibrahim Zada, who's 21 and from the Kurdish area of Iran, says their boat began to deflate and fill with water. His interview has been translated for us. At first, water started to flow into the boat in the rear side by the motor. We were emptying the water. We saw a ship and said, let's go towards them. But the people on the boat said, no, we shouldn't go. This boat must reach Britain tonight. Then we moved away and ships in the sea started to disappear. There was only this inflatable boat and it started to lose air. The balloons had blown up. The balloons on the right-hand side of the boat were now losing air. There was a pump inside the boat. So some people started to pump air while others were emptying water from the boat. Later, the people lost hope and gave up when we started to sink gradually. The waves started to push us towards France and the boat sunk and all the people fell in the water. We started to hold each other's hands. Each person held the hand of the next person in order not to sink or drown in the water. But with the sunrise early in the morning, the people couldn't take it anymore and they all gave up on their lives. Well, the French Interior Minister says his country is prepared to talk to the UK about the asylum crisis if Britain takes discussions seriously. Home Secretary Priti Patel was excluded from a meeting with her European counterparts to discuss the deaths of those 27 people. Gérard Domenian says if there's no more doublespeak from the UK, talks can resume. A man's been arrested following a high-speed police chase from Medway to London. A Mercedes failed to stop for officers near Gillingham and sped off along the M2 and A2. The police helicopter later tracked down the car in Greenwich but the driver ran away. A 26-year-old is now in custody. Residents against plans for hundreds of new homes near Margate are fundraising to bring in experts to help stop it happening. The proposal for 450 properties on farmland off Shottendame Road has already been rejected by council bosses for the lack of affordable homes but it's being appealed by the developer with a government inquiry set to go ahead next year. Those against it say it would bring traffic and impact wildlife. Two men have been arrested after someone trying to sell a laptop in Canterbury was paid with fake money. Police were called to a car park in Ivy Lane on Sunday and later stopped a vehicle on Waterham Road. They ended up uncovering a suspected drug dealing operation. A 20 and 21 year old have been questioned and released while investigations continue. And at Kent Online today, you can see what could possibly be Kent's smallest cottage that's going up for sale at auction. Ivy Cottage near Westgate Gardens in Canterbury has just one room downstairs and one upstairs. It's currently owned by the council and used as a store and has a guide price of £100,000. Kent Online Sport. 
Football and the Gillingham manager says a break from games this week probably still won't give them time to get all of their injured players back fit. They've dropped into the League One relegation zone after suffering a last-minute defeat to Portsmouth at the weekend. The Jules won't play again until next Tuesday night as they're already out of the FA Cup. But Steve Evans says it won't help them out that much. I think it gives the current boys a chance to get fit. I don't think we'll have anyone else back available. Maybe, maybe, maybe Reese Bennett. Um, but other, other than that, it'll give the opportunity for the staffer to get a bit of fitness work done. Same for Ollie, same for Robbie, the boys that the boys that have been struggling with, with injuries. Um, but I don't think we're suddenly going to see Dempsey, Oliver, maybe David Tatunda might be back in a week's time, ten days' time. But again, it's ten days from the time we play again. So, um, but like, we'll come back in in a week and. We'll see what we've got. And in cricket, Kent Zach Crawley is with the England squad as they once again try to warm up for the first Ashes test in Australia. The first match was a washout with England only making 98 with the bat. And bad weather has again affected the first day of their latest game in Brisbane. The first test gets underway next week. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the new ad-free Kent Online premium site by heading to kentonline.co.uk uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you better check out those elf on the shelf ideas as we start the countdown to christmas from tomorrow news you can trust this is the kent online podcast